Welcome to Mind Movement. talking about food cravings and general nutrition. So uh, we started this conversation because recognizing that we're all stuck at home and that there's a lot of stress on us right now, a lot of us get stuck in our compulsive behaviors, which can often involve food. And the other thing that I think we're all probably hearing and maybe experiencing ourselves to some degree is you know as new yorkers especially we're always moving we don't even realize how much we're out and about now we're stuck at home with you know tons of food left to you know cooking in the kitchen right having fun with food but maybe also not moving enough and so people that i'm talking to are afraid they're going to gain weight my god this is going to end it's going to be summer i'm up to get a bathing suit what am i going to do so you know i think it's just on both fronts, this is a helpful conversation around managing cravings for food, but also just correct information about food. The other thing that Sydney and I spent a lot of time on last week was people tend to think of it in one way. Nutrition is about weight loss. And so calories in, <laughs> calories out. And that of course does not always equate or often does not equate weight loss either. So we just have a lot of horrific information out in the world. So today joining me, our wonderful Mind Movement nutrition team, uh, registered dietitian, Sydney Green, nutrition and health coach, Martin Jensen, and Mind Movement's biohacker, Adam Pellegrini. Welcome guys. Hey, nice to see all thank of you. you. So yeah, last, so we've been talking about uh, food myths and thinking about you know correct information just like the basics even so i don't know i know sydney you and i had spoke a little bit about maybe presenting some helpful information just as like kind of a starting point for our conversation today and then taking it from there I think we lost Actually, her. Actually, why don't, yeah, I'm back in. <laughs> okay. I think we lost her. Somehow in the sharing of the screen, we lost Sydney. Um, she's still on Instagram. I could hear her. So uh, she's still good. on Instagram. I mean, I see her. I just, yeah, we can't see the screen though. There she is. Okay. Right. Hey. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure how to share my screen on an iPad, but I guess what I wanted to, um, show you was a food guide that I have um, and it breaks down macronutrients which if you don't know what the macronutrients are they are proteins fats and carbohydrates and I thought what might be really useful is you know macros is a word that gets thrown around a lot mm -hmm. um, and we talk about proteins fats and carbohydrates a lot but we don't I find that a lot of people don't really know what sources are of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So maybe we could all talk about just like the bare bones basics of nutrition 101. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So before we even get into that, because, you know, I'm somebody who sort of lives in the realm of mental wellness and is still not 100% well-versed in these kinds of conversations, why... So as I'm trying to think about food cravings and how to, you know, approach food for the day, what, what am I even aiming for in terms of percentages of these things? So we hear a lot about no carbs, low carbs, carbs are bad, sugar's bad. Oh God, I'm a bad person because I'm eating sugar, you know? Um, so I think we're sort of looking to achieve two things. One would be how do we reduce sugar cravings? That's one. 
And then the other is, what am I supposed to eat? Yeah. I think a lot of that um, stems from what's, what's your agenda for the day? What's your output look like? So, you know, if it's going to be a low packed, you know, kind of uh, active recovery day, you might not want to consume as much as you normally would if you were hard charging. So it's, um, I mean, it's really difficult because it's, a, it's an individual thing. And it's, it's kind of hard to really just kind of say, you know what, uh, you know, this will work for everybody in terms of, you know, macroing your uh, carbs, fats, and, and proteins. But just getting, making sure that you're getting quality carbs, fats, and proteins is, I think, the essential thing to start with. So can you just also then maybe help us understand what a quality carb, fat, and protein means? <laughs> no, sure. Um, I mean, you want... Uh, a low glycemic carb, um, something like a sweet potato. You definitely want some, uh, you know, maybe a lean cut of meat uh, for your proteins. I mean, also a complete protein is as simple as rice and beans. Um, you know, quality eggs. It's really where you're getting your sources from. I mean, if you're just going to the supermarket and you're getting your factory farm meat, obviously this is going to cause more damage than. Um, Hmm. You know. What do you mean? Say that last part again. Well, all right. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, factory farmed meat is obviously highly processed and, and you know, just radiating. Hmm. Uh, okay. So... So you're saying that even within the proteins that I'm looking at in the supermarket, like, so I'm even shopping along the edges of the grocery store the way I'm supposed to. But even when I'm looking into like the, the, the meat poultry section of the grocery store, there's, there's within that stuff I should be aware to stay away from. Sure. Yeah. It's where it's coming from. What's the source? You know, are you getting <clears throat> quality grass fed grass finished? product or you're getting this grain fed where you'll see like you know especially on the stage you'll get this high marble fat that high saturated fat content and that's that's from the grain that they're eating and if the if the animal isn't supposed to be eating that particular food then you putting that in your body obviously is going to create the same sort of situation mm, no that's maybe obvious to you that may not always be obvious though yeah, sure. so you know because i think a lot of times people shop you know, this is tough because it can be a lot more expensive to shop that way. And so it's really challenging because I might see a deal on a package of chicken and not think twice about, oh, it's chicken. It's, it's lean protein, you know, so this is super tough. Right. Right. We're, we're, you know, we're in desperate times at this point where, you know, you're just going to, you're going out to get whatever it is you can get. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the challenge in itself as well. Right. So during this time, especially, we're, we're just faced with having to make a lot of really difficult choices right now in general. Yeah. And also, I was thinking about this, too. If I've got five kids, five boys at home, you know, five growing boys, two growing boys, one growing boy. I mean, I have a six year old daughter, so she doesn't she's not exactly like eating, you know, eating us out of house and home at this point. But I'm thinking about friends who do have, you know, maybe more than one, but just having boys, they eat a lot. Like I, you know, I grew up with a lot of male cousins and they just consumed more. So, you know, it's expensive to be sitting around all day eating, right? It can cost a lot of money. So this isn't, it's not, it's not, it's also not cheap to eat healthy, I guess is another way to say it. Sure. That's, that's definitely a challenge as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Sydney, you want to jump in something um that comment right there is like yes it is true that um like a lot of organic animal proteins and grass-fed proteins are more expensive but i think we need to change first like our concept of what should be put on a plate like the star of the show does not need to be your steak or chicken or hamburger or whatever i think it's forget which integrative mm. doctor, maybe it's Mark Hyman, but said something that I really like and I've like stolen, which is um, 
make meat or whatever animal protein is the condiment, not the star. Have hmm. the star of the plate be the plant or the vegetable. And I think, you know, especially with, was it yesterday, Tyson Foods said that their supply chain is breaking. And um, we know that, like, in the age of COVID, meat plants are having a hard time right now. And so more than ever, I think investigating what a plant-based, plant-based doesn't mean that you're vegan or vegetarian. It just means that your diet fundamentally at the base of it is made up of plants. Mm -hmm. So if you take that family with like the six boys and the parents or caregivers, you know, if you buy you know, a large steak that's of a high quality. But if you can't get that right now, like that stress too can cause inflammation and harm. Mm -hmm. So you just cut it into smaller amounts. Americans eat way more protein than we need in general. Mm -hmm. And then you can investigate grains or vegetables that might be less expensive. Mm Yep. Yep. Interesting. Uh, that's a great point. That's yeah. a great point to me. And, and yeah, I agree as well that it should be a, a treated as a condiment. Um, yeah, we definitely are misled on how much protein we actually need to take in compared to what we are actually taking in. And I think we're going way overboard. I mean, the research shows that, you know, a human really only needs to consume 0.5 to 0.8 grams per pound. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going way above way over that. I mean, athletes are usually taking in anywhere from one to two grams to the strength that they put on their bodies. But we're eating like athletes in terms of a protein, uh, protein consumption where, right, absolutely, Sydney, it should be definitely lessened. We don't need to take in that much. Mm-hmm. And also just to go back on the, you know, feeding a large family, um, it's, um, and it being expensive, if you buy if, if you've, um, so when I grew up, we had, a, we ate a lot of vegetables and we ate a lot of, um, uh, whole grains mm. and it actually, cause, cause I, there was four of four kids and plus, you know, uh, other kids that we had in our family. Um, mm. so it was quite a large family and, and feeding or eating, uh, whole grains and vegetables, um, will actually keep you full for longer as well. So, so that's, you know, that's another way you can try to consume a little bit less vegetables, build, actually fill you up quite a bit. Fiber and all the other sorts of nutrients that help to keep you full longer. And, um, mm-hmm. and I know protein as well is obviously keeps you full, but, but um, the problem is, is particularly with carbohydrates, you know, if you're eating refined carbohydrates, it doesn't really keep you full for long and it, it, mm-hmm. it messes with your um, signaling. So you feel hungry quicker and, and that kind of stuff. So that can help too. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So ultimately, this idea that, you know, it takes longer to break down vegetables in the body, whole grains, vegetables, these things can keep you full. They also satisfy you more than, you know, endless carbohydrate diets that, you know, don't have much more than um, sugar and chemicals in it. I, and also that is designed very much in that way intentionally, if, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, so that we do eat more, so that we are eating more. I mean, carbohydrates can be very addictive, obvi- you know, obviously. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly, especially refined carbohydrates are very because carbohydrates are basically turned into it's just it's basically sugar. It's turned into sugar in the body that mm. the body um, uses for energy. Um, and so, eating a lot of uh, vegetables and fruits, uh, fruits in particular, are very sweet, obviously, as everybody knows. Mm. Um, and um, and that that can take some away some of that sugar craving away if you start to you know mm-hmm. maybe um, uh, eat fruit eat more fruit rather than um, hmm. rather than sweets and candy and that kind of stuff. Right. So have fruit around. Have fruit around. Yeah. Right. So that's a really helpful suggestion. Instead. Well, of- that's the, and the thing that that's exactly the point because having fruit around it, it comes with 
nature packaged all these lovely nutrients and vitamins and minerals into these sweet tasting things that's that's what they were but we've sort of extracted all the sweet stuff from all the natural things and put it into things where it's not meant to be and then we put that into our bodies and they kind of attack our organs in a way that it would, they weren't meant to. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm curious, how new are processed foods? I mean, in the timeline of human history, when do we see you know, this uh, dramatic shift into chemically enhanced, processed? At approximately what point does that take place in history? I mean, I figured that was like right after the Industrial Revolution, right? I mean, after World War II, I think that's when things started to ramp up in terms of testing and chemical enhancements and, you know, scientific studies on how to um, flavor foods in a way that, you know, companies can actually get people addicted. Yeah, right. That's right. I'm not right. sure the timeline. I'm not sure on that timeline, but I think that's, I think that's where it started. Right, so industrial revolution, so post-war, uh, also right, and of course, because that's when factories, you know, that's when we became industrialized. So, mm-hmm. makes sense, right? That would be, so you think about that, I'm just, and I bring that up only to say on a timeline of human history, the processed food as like the mainstay in a human diet is a very new, <laughs> is a new idea, right? Is a new concept. So it's not something that, we are, um, our bodies have really adapted to, and, and we, you know, and who knows what happens if that happens. But so, so, it's, it's, so it is a foreign invader. In other words, it's not an actual natural, body doesn't know what the hell to do with it. And yet we're consuming it like it's food, <laughs> right? Like it's supposed to be the thing that keeps us going. So quickly remind us, what does that do? If I'm, if I'm consuming these sort of processed, chemically enhanced foods, um, you know, the stuff really in the middle of the grocery store, more than anything else, what is that doing to my inner, my insides? I think, I think right off the bat, one of the most concerning things is the uh, neurological effect. You know, I mean, it really uh, damages the brain function um, so that's, that's really something to take into consideration. I mean, it's been linked to mood disorders. It's been linked to Alzheimer's. It, you know, these are severe cases where, you know, young kids, especially when they're introduced to like soda at the age of three, uh, and the, and the effect that they get from, from something like that. And then you wonder why years later, if they're constantly doing that over and over and over again, that they have like these mood disorders and, you know, you're seeing high rates of depression, mood swings, you know, so that's, for me, that's number one, uh, number one concern. Mm. Sydney, I think we can't hear you for some reason. <laughs> yeah, we can't hear you, right? We can't hear you? No, uh, I can't hear anything. <laughs> we can't hear, we don't hear you. Um, so, right, so, and that's another thing we really, we don't talk about enough, obviously. We don't talk about the effect that, uh, food has on our mental health. You know, it's like I said, if anything, most of I think the dominant education that we get on food is, you know, self induced. And it's because we're looking, we're, we're Googling things like how to lose weight fast <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, how to eat to, to not gain weight, not as much how do I eat to uh, not, you know, to be uh, mentally strong and healthy yeah the thing that kills me though about like you mentioned the soda with the kids is a great example adam i mean i'm always a little surprised when i see that happening but it but it happens quite a bit Mm -hmm. and and these are not it's not like uh, you know the person lives under a rock i mean these are not people that are giving this stuff to their children it's not it's not that they're not educated people you know i think it's just that when it comes to messaging and food health, we tend to, you know, we pass on our habits. So if I'm really not aware of how soda is affecting me, and I'm not concerned about weight loss, 
that I'm not probably aware of. I mean, they sell it in the store. How bad can it be? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like, look what it does to the brain. So that makes a lot of sense. You have a crying baby that you want to kind of stop crying. Well, what's going to be more effective? Uh, you know, a bottle of soda or, you know, sips of water. I, you know, I think that's more of a stimulation thing for the, for the baby to actually like, kind of, you know, divert from what they're doing. In terms of the parenting, you know, it's like, I want to calm this baby down as quick as possible. But right. you're right, it, it's also linked to, you know, uh, how we were brought up as well. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It's horrifying. I mean, it's terrible. It's yeah, terrible. Absolutely. We don't, we don't know. I mean, and it's, it's just, there's such a, it's just such a challenge. It's such a, um, there's so much, I think just misinformation or a lack of information that, that people are exposed to. So we started this conversation talking about, you know, healthy fats, healthy proteins. What, uh, so we talked about having, Sydney mentioned having sort of uh, vegetables be the main sort of entree on a, on a food plate. So the thing that came up when you said that, honestly, I'm just being 100% honest is, okay, well, vegetables are kind of boring. How am I going to, how am I going to pull that off? Like, you know, my daughter's not going to be psyched on like eating, you know, broccoli as the main, the, the centerpiece. So yeah, what would you say to that? I think it depends on the person, right? So yeah, if you're not really vegetable savvy, then vegetables might be boring until you find something that you really like. But you can start with even whole grain, um, like whole wheat pasta, and add a bunch of vegetables in there, and put it in like a really yummy tomato sauce or pesto. Mm. It doesn't need to be like broccoli or kale or bust. You can do like a, especially for kids and adults too, like a macaroni and cheese where half the sauce is cheese and half the sauce it sounds fancy but it's really not it's like butternut squash mm. and, you mix up, and you can pour that over whole wheat noodles or you can like hide some broccoli in there which i know my pediatric nutrition dietitians don't like the hiding because they want your kids to learn about the food and accept it and trust you but um, hmm. or even like a vegetable quesadilla or something where it's not the main staple, but it's mixed in. Mm -hmm. And then you can, for an adult, you know, experiment more with what you really like. Mm -hmm. um, roasting, sauteing, baking, mm -hmm. air frying. There's so many different options now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that can maybe be fun even to explore. Mm -hmm. Morin, did you want to say something? Um, well, just, uh, Asian, uh, cuisine is a really good cuisine to, uh, do that kind of stuff with as well, because, mm. because of the herbs and spices they use and particularly Indian food, Thai food, that kind of stuff. Um, I love that in particular because you can, you don't even have to have, um, you know, meat in there. Um, a lot of, it's particularly Indian food is very, is, but is, uh, often uh, vegetarian um, and um, and it's super delicious and at the same time you get a ton of vegetables but also all the spices contain all the a ton of nutrients as well um, mm -hmm. so that you know that adds to it as well um, and I don't know and not everyone um, likes Asian food I know that but you know it, it's definitely for, for people that do it's definitely something that it's an easy way to get vegetables and, and other nutrients into your, to your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's helpful. I mean, you know, I'm 40 years old and I recently discovered Thai food. I mean, and I'm like in love, like in love, like I found this restaurant and I'm just ordering from this place like uncontrollably because it's so, uh -huh. it's just so good. And it's also really healthy. So, but I didn't know that, you know, I just didn't really know. Not that I've never eaten Thai, but I really, maybe I've never eaten really quality Thai or really didn't even explore the menu very much. Like, you know, you get stuck on one thing and that's what you, you know, order when you go on these menus, whatever. So I was, you know, trying different things and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And you're right. It, 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 I thought I didn't, like, I don't like, I think that's a dangerous approach to food health in general, because 
maybe I didn't like in 1997, that doesn't necessarily mean I don't like, you know, because maybe I didn't like the way it was prepared or maybe I think I didn't, but you know, I don't know what, how it might be different now. So also I think probably being a little bit more open-minded was, is, has been helpful for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Open-mindedness is definitely something you want to, uh, explore when it comes to food it's especially like you say you it, your taste buds and everything it, it changes over time i mean what i grew up in a fishing town never eating fish because i didn't like it now i can't live without fish and seafood mm -hmm. it's like you know things change and, and and we adapt and you know we're adapting to this whole covid19 experience pretty uh pretty well considering what's going on but you know people adapt and and, and we do with food as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's, that's a good point because you know there is that that tongue to brain relationship where i mean if we're eating for the mouth pleasure of it which you know i mean i feel like a lot of us are you know you go for that mouth pleasure and the brain gets stimulated from that um yeah you put a vegetable in your mouth and jesus that's the last thing you want to even taste you know so getting <laughs> that there, there has to be a reprogramming and there has to be, you know, a transition into this. And both of you are saying great things in terms of how you can incorporate these things in dishes that you're, you know, mm -hmm. familiar with. That's right. So slow transition, starting with what you, what you like. Right. Yeah. Because, right, I mean, your taste buds, too, are completely changed from, you know, maybe high sugar intake or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to change that. And it, that takes, you know, that takes some time to get used to. Well, and also, I'm sure, you know, I've experienced this before. You know, when I used to be like a diet freak, I learned this. Um, you know, it took about two to three weeks before my palate really changed over from you know a normal kind of sugar carb heavy diet to you know eating a lot more consciously and i noticed then that even if i like the smallest amount of sugar in a cup of coffee would be so overwhelmingly sweet that it was off putting that it was like oh this is disgusting so it, it took a few weeks but it's it really didn't take long considering you know um considering how much we eat and how much we consume and, you know, uh, how much time we ultimately have. So it, it was really, you know, an eye opening experience for me, just giving it a shot. Like it was an experiment. And now I know that I know that if I just stay with a, a different way of eating with some level of consistency, then it doesn't, it's not like I miss cookies, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, you know, because I'm on, I don't believe in depriving either. Like I'll eat what I feel like eating, but you find, or I found that when I shifted from not as heavy sugar diet, I didn't want it either. It wasn't what I was looking to crave. Yeah, exactly. I've seen that time and time and again, both with, with, both with sugar and fats. Um, like I have, um, I've, Plenty of clients have gone through, you know, adding vegetables, adding and, and cutting out, uh, not cutting out, but just re um, replacing certain things with, uh, you know, like particularly uh, fatty and sugary foods with just slightly healthier foods. And mm -hmm. going back to it, they, they just cannot even stomach it. It's, it's like even, you know, putting butter on a piece of bread scares the hell out of them sometimes because <laughs> it's because it's like i used to eat that but it doesn't make me feel good now and mm -hmm. and i just don't want it anymore and it, it, it that actually does happen and it's it's pretty amazing to see that it can happen especially because i know it from myself because you know i definitely eaten a, a lot of junk in my life mm -hmm. um and i you know um in the past i used to think um it you know this food makes me feel good but if i have it now i just i feel terrible and i definitely feel the effect on my mood and my brain like adam was speaking about earlier mm -hmm. and you know it's just 
it's amazing how how we change and how how food affects everything we do and that's the other thing you know we i think we food is 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 something we use for pleasure at the moment these days and it's not food is meant to keep us alive and keep us going mm-hmm. um you know that's the basic function of food um mm-hmm. it's just to keep us alive and keep our body bodies working and helping us survive mm-hmm. um it's not necessarily meant for pleasure not that you can't derive pleasure from it of course um, mm-hmm. particularly now these days um but you know um if you think about what food is it's it's a survival uh thing mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. well it's 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 more than it's fuel it's what it's are you fuel. putting in your car so mm-hmm. you know it's it's fuel and i think the challenge is and we've been talking about this all week what makes us susceptible to treating it uh, specifically treating food like a mood altering substance is is the chemical reactions that you can get especially from things like sugar they're very unconscious so until you have children at least for me when i see what a one little thing of ice cream will do to my kid (laughs) right like it's almost like immediately she becomes the monster child like (laughs) you know you're like whoa what happened to my kid you know that's how you learn about sugar because as an adult, <laughs> it's a subtle difference. You know, it, you don't experience it as the wild maniac stuff. Probably a good thing. It would be a lot more addictive if you did. But it is really addictive. And the thing about addiction that's so insidious is that it comes to us like we want something. It comes like desire. Oh, I just, it's not that I can't stop. I just want this. And hunger especially is tough because I'm hungry. I mean, it it really, it's the same system as addiction too. It's motivation. And if I'm starving, you know, I'm a workaholic, so I will just forget that food is a thing. And four hours after I probably should have had a meal, I'm so hungry that I'm ordering some garbage to my apartment because I don't, I'm too hungry to have to sit and come up with a prepared meal. And so I'm going to go with whatever is pleasing to my brain or to my palate at that moment. What's going to please the palate, not how is this giant pizza that I'm going to eat the whole thing of going to make me feel in an hour after I eat it. So, you know, I think there's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard not to eat according to mood and according to what, like Adam was saying, to please the, the palate. And because it is such a thing that we use to feel better. It's also a thing we use to, to socialize, like to come together. At least in my family, food is always like the center. You know, in both the sides of my family, you have people over, you walk in my grandmother's house, it was, oh, you're hungry, sit down, you know, you got to eat, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> My mom too, like if there's more than one person you know, in the house, there's food in front of us. And so it is also a really social thing and it's hard to make consistent, really healthy choices. I mean, that's what I find. It's not, it's the consistency that can be so challenging, making it work practically in your life. We, we sometimes might make a change individually and we want our loved ones, friends, coworkers to follow suit, Mm -hmm. but that usually doesn't happen. I mean, when I work with clients and whether it's the wife or the husband and one of them sees me, they'll be like, oh, I just wish my spouse Mm -hmm. would see you too because it would be so much easier, right? And what usually happens is the family members follow suit when they see that change, Um, but at least for me, I'll use myself as an example. If you follow me on my Instagram stories, you'll see my fiance eats absolutely the opposite as me. Mm. Um, like <laughs> sugar <laughs> fanatic, um, really doesn't like vegetables. It's like a struggle. Um, mm. And when I go to her family's house who eats in a similar way, it's, it's tough um, because they don't really eat the way I do and they don't want to change, which is cool. But you can use it as an opportunity to introduce things, mm-hmm. right? Like I'll ne- we're not going to family's houses now, but when you <laughs> <do> one day, 
I'll, I'll volunteer to make a dish and I bring it and they mm-hmm. try it and sometimes they like it and sometimes they hate it. But then my, I'm, my bases are covered mm-hmm. and I'm bringing something to the table and then I'm not left with like no options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in quarantine times, it's me, her and my mother and my mother also doesn't eat like me and doesn't mm. care to <laughs> and um you know I still go to the supermarket and buy what I need and I'll we um compromise on dishes so if they want spaghetti with meatballs I ask if I can sneak some kale into the meatballs mm-hmm. and they've been up for it because I can't really taste it um or you can do like half mm. zucchini zucchini noodles with pasta right mm-hmm. it's a compromise mm. and then it's not it also plays into that black or white thinking which we talked about last time it doesn't need to be all or nothing that like you're eating mm-hmm. the noodles with the turkey meatballs or you're eating like grandma's famous meatballs right. with white pasta like there can be a compromise and that's how you build flexibility mm-hmm. I love that. I love the idea of blending the two so that it really is more practical. It's a more practical way to kind of consistently maintain and then maybe slowly move towards. It's like I can try different things that I like that way and I can see what my daughter likes that way, but it's a slower indoctrination rather than like going in, throwing everything you own out, going to the health food store, buying everything and then trying to shove it down their throats, which by the way, I've tried it and failed many times. <laughs> um, like now it's just like mom being crazy again, you know? So, right, which doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So, and I guess the other thing I'm hearing a lot from all of you is like, if, I, if I'm going to succeed at like having, for example, you know, the plant be the centerpiece, I'm probably going to have to experiment with cooking. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and and this is tough because, you know, that means I have to take time to do that. So where do I go to experiment with cooking in this way? That's not like, you know, whatever world famous Mac and cheese, and it's just all heavy cream cheeses and white pasta. One website that I love and that I'll suggest to clients that are like diving into the cooking world Mm -hmm. is the kitchen dot com but it's spelled k-t-c-h-n and they do a lot of really simple recipes that are like a healthier version of and so there's ingredients that you'll still recognize Mm -hmm. maybe one or two new ones also um clean eating magazine has great recipes online um i mean there's so many maybe i'll email you some but um yeah, just Googling like a healthier version of X, Y, or Z, you'll find so many different blogs. Mm-hmm. Great. It's really, really, really helpful. Because I think that's, you know, that's really the key for me is like, if you ask me to self-generate right now an idea about like how to do that effectively, how to make a vegetable, the centerpiece of, pff, doesn't exist. There's no you know, there's no map in my wiring in my brain for that. And it's not that I'm not open to it. It's just that if I don't know how, I'm not, there's no chance, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing it. So the more, I think the easier we can make it for people that maybe do have a little more time now than they've had in the past to explore in the kitchen, the better off for sure. What other potential, you know, strategies do I employ to, try to you know what else can i do to try to continue to move in the direction of you know not making you know the white flour the the sugar the processed stuff the the i guess the i don't even know what kind of the american diet i guess the standard american diet right the the way that i just default to continuously returning back to because i think you know, like for example, you mentioned butter a minute ago. I never really liked butter, so this is not really like an issue for me. But then what do I cook with instead? So maybe I recognize on some level that butter's probably not the greatest thing in the world. But then what am I gonna if I if that's all I know, what am I gonna replace that with? You can do extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, um, 
can even try ghee. But you know, you have to remember too, it's what type of butter are you buying as well? Because you know, you have corn made butter and then you can get grass fed butter, which is a completely different sort of fat. It's a, it's a healthier fat. So something like a Kerrygold butter is definitely better than like say, you know, the stick of butter you might buy at, uh, at ShopRite. So mm -hmm. that's something to keep in mind as well. How do you know to look for that? I mean, it, it would be labeled. You can look in the ingredients as well, what the base, what the base is of, of that butter, how it's made. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously the corn butter is, is way more processed than the, uh, mm -hmm. than the grass fed. Right. And so if I'm used to, you know, shopping according to fat free, this is where things get a little tricky because I may know to stay away from butter, but then I may be substituting it with something that's more processed because it says that it has a lower fat content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's saying low fat, then they're replacing that with sugar. It's, that's, that's the, the sneaky part of it. So should I basically make the assumption that if it says low fat, it means that they've replaced it with sugar? I would, yeah. Or, you know, go ahead, Cindy. I think it depends on the food, um, right? Like if it's a, to Adam's point, if it's a butter, like a margarine, right? Where it's like reduced fat, that just means that they're using a different form of fat which is coming from plants which are highly processed which then can raise levels of inflammation so my advice to people is like dump out what you did in the 90s and buy <laughs> grass-fed butter like go for the oils mm -hmm. you know buy full fat dairy yogurt and yes like if you can afford to buy grass-fed organic and it's available right now a plus but even just starting like making that transition is a huge transition for people to make because like, what do you mean? People will be like, what do you mean? I've been eating fat free forever. And now you want me to eat fat? I'm going to get fat. What are you talking about? Um, so, yeah. but then the packaged foods, Adam's totally right on that. Like if it's a cereal that says low fat, <laughs> that just means they've added in more sugar because otherwise it's going to taste horrible. So, mm -hmm. um, but I think to your original question of how to move from like the standard American diet to maybe like a more whole foods, less processed, mm -hmm. I'll tell people to just like start with one meal of the day and like get in the habit of changing. You love Fruit Loops for breakfast, maybe. For two weeks, we're going to try swapping the Fruit Loops for like a two-ingredient cereal. Like the cereal only has two ingredients. Mm -hmm. You're going to sweeten it with some real fruit and try that. <laughs> There's a guy outside. You guys, I don't, you can't hear him probably, but he's like swearing. He's like effing a-hole. Um, I mean, it's tremendous. It's like if you could hear it, it's tremendous. Um, I'm trying not to laugh. It's just everything we've been talking about, right? Like all these people just out of their minds with easily aggravated. I mean, it's tremendous. It's 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 outstanding. It's it's really funny. Anyway, um, yeah. sorry to interrupt. So the last thing I heard you say, Sydney, was um, basically one thing at a time. Yeah. Well, what do you, what would it like, okay, if I have Fruit Loops for breakfast, what might lunch look like if it is trying to sort of shift to this more, less processed, whole grain, whole food? Sure. So, um, and I should say, I say Fruit Loops because my fiance bought them last night and was eating them. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why it means mine. Um, and she's okay with me saying that. That's funny. Um, so if you have a sandwich, let's say it's uh, peanut butter and jelly on white bread. Mm -hmm. Again, that's one of her faves. <laughs> then maybe you switch to like 100% whole grain bread and you make sure that the peanut butter you buy, the only ingredient is peanuts. There's no mm -hmm. sneaky sugars in there. 
And like, if you want the jelly, cool. In a week's time, maybe you swap the jelly for like a chopped up banana. Mm. And so you make these like slow transitions. So it's not like, you want me to eat what kind of bread with what kind of thing? Like, no. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. more and that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about having fruit around and letting that sort of be your, your sugar choice. Yeah. And I also think, you know, with it, one thing I've noticed that in this country is that a lot of people, or steak is a very, uh, people love steak in this country or red mm -hmm. meat. And uh, I mean, I like steak as much as anyone, but um, there's a lot of fatty steak out there. So if you, if you really like your steak, you know, you can, you can move to a leaner steak. So you can have a fillet steak instead that, that mm -hmm. has almost no fat on it. You know, you're still having, you're still getting your steak. No one's telling you not to eat steak, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's a little bit leaner. Mm -hmm. Same way with, if you're used to eating stuff with rice uh, and if it's usually white rice, then can you move to a brown rice or mm -hmm. black rice or, you know, red rice that has, that it hasn't been processed or refined and that has more nutrients in. Mm. Um, you're still you're still getting your rice and you're still, you know, still still getting what you're normally eating, but it's just slightly up the scale of uh, of uh, higher mm. nutrient content. Mm -hmm. And my other my other understanding, we didn't really get a chance to talk about this, but certainly I think it's important to mention. So it's also like, it's not maybe, for example, just about the steak, but it's like, what else am I eating throughout the day? Am I eating steak and spaghetti and peanut butter and jelly and Fruit Loops? Or am I eating, you know, steak and spinach and, you know, salad with whatever salmon on it for a lot? I mean, you know, so it's sort of like also, what else am I eating throughout the day, the week, whatever, uh, in addition to that filet? Yeah, and not only just throughout the day, but even just with that meal, right? If you're having a steak with a lot of deep fried onion rings and everything deep fried and breaded and that kind of stuff, you can even replace deep fried onion rings with just plain onion rings or, you know, a slice of tomato or, or just or instead mm -hmm. of having creamed spinach, you can have sauteed spinach with, mm -hmm. with a bit of salt and, and that still tastes nice. But, you know, just trying to make that slightly, um, slight adjustment. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all really, really helpful. I, you know, to me, I, for with the, the conversation about nutrition always comes down. Um, sorry, this pause. The conversation about nutrition to me always comes down to information and having the right information and just, you know, how long it takes for us to adjust our ideas and our beliefs about what is healthy and what isn't, you know, Sydney already pointed out, we're still living in the 90s when it comes to understanding food health. And, you know, I see a lot of people doing that. I mean, a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, and the other thing I think that I've learned from you all as well is that certain combinations of food can be dangerous. Not even, I mean, that's the deal, right? It, this isn't just about like fat and skinny and, you know, or even how I feel day to day. It's that this, this stuff can be dangerous, like really dangerous, both now in the short term and in the long term. And so even though we maybe can't see the immediate effects of what we're putting in our body, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening for sure. It's happening. Uh, and so that's another reason just to start, like you're saying, start now and you know, in a month from now, life can be look very different, even if you just change one little thing at a time. Yeah, and I mean, I would even say, I would suggest, you know, um, journal, even if it's just as simple as journal, how long between the meals, like what you ate and how long it took you for, to get hungry again, just to see what works, what's more satiating than, than the other, right? So like, say you have a bowl of Fruit Loops at eight o'clock in the morning, and you need lunch now at 1030. Hmm. just burn that through if you kind of go back and then look at, at at the meals that you're making and how long you're staying satiated i mean that's that's that can be a helpful tool tool for you right we've talked about this before the 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 food journaling and we've talked about doing it you know also tracking mood even mm -hmm. if you use like a simple zero to ten scale you know how did i feel before 
how do I feel now an hour later or however long later, how do I feel, you know, at that point? Cause I think there's with food, it's tricky cause there is a delay. Like even with alcohol, most people don't know that the last drink that they drink takes 40 minutes to, to complete its effect because of the fact that it has to be digested through the body. And so that's why like you can feel pretty good and keep drinking and then end up spinning and vomiting for a long time because you don't realize that that drink you're still drinking while you feel pretty good is putting you into the toilet, you know, for the rest of the night. So, but I may not associate that drink I'm having at that hour mark before with that throwing up an hour later. And so I think that's really important. If it's not so pronounced that I'm vomiting, I don't understand in my brain, these things are not pairing together. And so I may have no idea that the way I'm eating is, uh, you know, having an impact anywhere <laughs> on any part of my mind, body, or life. And so the journaling can be, I think, a helpful education tool for ourselves to get to understand. Like you're always talking about all of you and all of us, it's all personal. And so it's really hard to play, you know, be very, very generic or general when we're talking about food health or nutrition. Yeah. And I think another strong component is, um, you know, teaming up with a friend or family member or spouse or whatever it may be to, you know, hold each other accountable for trying new things. And then, you know, you know, even if it's like a couple of times a week, you get together and do that, do that, find the recipe and cook together. Right. Cause I think that communal cooking too is, is super important. You know, even with communal eating, I feel like the food then becomes secondary because you're just vibing off of everybody else's energy, you know, and then the mm -hmm. food is just kind of like the uh, cherry on top. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah. Suggestion. Great, you guys. So helpful. Thank you so much. So these conversations are always so, 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 so super helpful. Um, we'll be back here next week. So hopefully we continue this conversation. I love the practical because to me, that's what it's all about. Making this, you know, making it easy enough for us to take the motivation we have and actually apply it and then make these longer term changes. So really helpful. I will take the websites that you guys suggested and I will post them. So if you can text them to me again after this call, that would be really helpful. And uh, have a great, have a great day, you guys. Take Thank care. You Be safe. Thanks. You Be too. Well, Bye, guys. Peace.